Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I don't know um, where each of you are with the vision this year, but I hope it's made an impact. I really do. I mean, we're into February, and so the first month of January, sharing the vision, talking about it with a panel. Tim coming talking about it. Uh, Melly and I preach a message on Wednesday nights. We're preaching on a wonderful life, and uh, I, I just want you to know that that it's it can be a little like okay, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Well, there gets to be a place with the kingdom of God that you're living in the same place. I'm not wanting to move residents. I'm wanting to stay right there. And so the Zoe kind of life, the, the Zoe life, the God kind of life, as we've been talking about it, I, I, I believe that it's affecting us. Yeah. I do. I, I, I think that with the youth and what, what, what's being what experienced, if you will, what's being lived out, yeah. um, Chapman and I just, I mean, we're just sitting in our office Friday, and I'm telling you, the Spirit of God just right there in my office just came and ministered to both of us. We were enjoying just time with the Lord and getting excited about what he's doing. I just got cold chills just remembering Friday. It was just so fun. Um, and so I want you to know that there is a need for God's people to live Zoe, to live the God life. I, I think part of the God life that we've got to talk about, and I want to talk about it today, is, is people that are going to live the God kind of life need to be joyful. And so I, I, I just, so many people that claim to be Christians are not enjoying life. And I, it's sad to me. I mean, you can come in and get corrected every time you come into church. Well, but if you fix the areas that you've been, I mean, the Holy Spirit says, okay, you got to fix that. Well, when you fix that, you can live in joy in that area. You know, there's, that's not going to be a condemnation that keeps over. So today I want to talk about, are you living in joy? And ultimately my message title is, get your joy. It's yours. And we just aren't living out what God said is ours. John chapter 15, verse 7 out of the New King James Version, now I can tell you, I did a little thing this week where I had our, our high schoolers read um, a passage of Scripture, and I had them start, and I, I called each one of them to read a different one. Well, every one of these high schoolers and junior high, they all had a different version of the Bible. And so if you'll read NLT here, then New King James Version here, then ASV here, then it just doesn't really flow. And so sometimes it can get a little confusing. And I thought, that's kind of cool because you got different kids all reading from a different Bible, and they should say the same thing, correctly? Correct? Not correctly, correct. But they, 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 they do, they just didn't flow. And so if you're ever listening to a preacher preach and you've got a different version of the Bible than they do, that's why we put the words on the screen. So it can still flow for you. Because I know that a lot of times if we're listening to a preacher who's using a translation that we don't have, and, and, and here's the problem with me, I preach from a lot of different ones. 
And in fact, today I'm going to use the same scripture in two different translations as we get further along. Don't let that confuse you. The words are on the screen, but if you happen to have the same one, go ahead and follow it. Um, but which, which Bible do you preach from, Pastor? A, a lot of them. Not all of them. Because I think that the flow sometimes is different, but it says the same thing. God's Word doesn't change. Now, John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Jesus goes on to say, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I love this, this passage. It, it was revelation to me years ago, and I heard someone speaking about this, and I'd never really thought about it. Last year, we did a lot about the, the names of God, and, and each name of God, in, in a lot of ways, just described different characteristics of who he was. And, and so as we went through that, I, I, I just have always thought of all these names of God, and when I say, who is God to you, and you put a name with it, sometimes you don't use the Hebrew name, you use the quality that he possesses in the area that you've been looking, one of the things we don't often do is we don't ascribe joy to God. When we think of God, we don't think, well, he's, he's joy. But joy is his makeup. Now, if you were raised in a home that didn't have much joy, or you didn't have a father figure or a person in your life that you looked up to, you sometimes have a problem seeing God as joy. You just, he's all the time nitpicking all your problems, everything you do wrong, or you only go to him when you're really in need because I'm scared of him other than that. And we don't see one of his qualities of his makeup being joy. And See, when you accept Jesus, that joy becomes yours. You receive it when you're saved, but so often it's like we don't, we don't carry it with us after salvation. How many, how many remember the day you got saved? All right, go back to that time in your life. I remember when I got saved, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a joy about yeah. And maybe it was just that you don't have to go to hell now. But maybe it's just like, he loved me so much. God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. And it was just overwhelming. I mean, I've, I remember I didn't, I wasn't a big crier. And I remember just not being able to stop the tears coming. What is happening to me? I'm not even hurting and I'm crying. It was just, it was one of those things that it was overwhelming joy. I, I, I didn't experience that a lot until I remember my daughters giving their heart and life to Jesus. 
And once again, an overwhelming joy just came upon me. And so I, I read this passage of Scripture, and I remember accepting what Jesus did on the cross was my first act of obedience. And when I was obedient, I watched a supernatural joy. An obedience to saying, I can't get to heaven on my own, I need Jesus. And surrendering, if you will, yourself to him produced a joy that I can't really explain. It was overwhelming. Well, we just need to get saved every day. Well, it's not that. It's the, the joy that comes by keeping his commandments and taking part in what he's made available for you to take part in. Here's what happens. You get saved, and then the thief. You get saved, and that overwhelming joy that's all about who you are, all of a sudden, is like this beacon that goes out there to the enemy, and he goes, oh, we got to stop that. That's not good. That joy is contagious. That joy that that guy's walking in right now will let him be an overcomer, and I can't have that. And so that thief who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy comes in and tries to get you to not live in what you received. Doesn't mean you still don't have it available, but he don't want you living in it. And it's when you're seeking out God that you see that that joy is full. And when you remain in it, then you remain full. Are you full? Can you say, yeah, pastor, I'm full of joy. You should have been at my house this morning. It was wonderful. It's full of joy this morning. I got up and I sing in, just full of joy. It was just all. Until your sweetie precious comes in there. She says, Mom, I want to tell you what just happened. And you're like, This passage tells us three things, and I, I just want to just, just share them real quick, and then I want to talk. The first one it tells us is joy is of God. Joy is of Him. Second thing, His joy may remain in you. Now, I, I can read several translations and show you this, but let me just say it like this. If it may remain in you, then it may not. It may remain in you, but it may not. Well, what do you mean? You have a part in that. It's not that he didn't give it to you. It's just, it's not, you, you kind of left it at home today. You didn't, it's in your back pocket. You're not really taking action. It's not where you want it. And so based on your choices, based on hearing him, Jesus did th two things. He said, keep the commands of God. And Jesus said, that's what I did. I kept God's commands and I abided in his love. So those are the two things that are necessary, Jesus was saying. For you to continue to walk in the joy, abide in his love, and keep his commands. Abide in his love and keep in his commands. And when you're not keeping his commands or you're not abiding in his love, you can't have one without the other and get joy. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. 
What does it mean by showing me the way of life? What he's told us to do. I'm showed you. Here's what you do. Do this, this, and this. That's the way for Zoe. And when you're living Zoe, I'm going to grant you my joy. That means it's a product of what's available to you. And then the third thing, so, so first, your joy is of him. Second, his joy may remain in you. And the third one is, you are full of joy. See, when you get one and two, you understand joys of him and that it can remain in you, then you are seen by others and you recognize it in your own life. Man, I'm just full of joy. Just full of it. <laughs> I'm just full, I'm full of it. Of joy. I, I, don't, I know you've been accused of being full of something, but I'm talking about joy. Full of joy. I just, get your joy. What, why are we not going and getting something that's ours? Nehemiah 8.10. The, the last part of that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When life seems to be just going great, you usually feel pretty strong. You know, when life's going really good, I just, I, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And, and I quote this verse a lot, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm kind of into thinking things through when God says something. I want to understand what's the significance of this. See, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, then shouldn't we have some? What, what, what do you mean? We should have some joy, and we need some Christians to quit being wimpy and have some strength. So if the joy of the Lord is your strength, I'm telling you, you need to go get you some joy. Because we need some strength right now in our world from God's people. I, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say this, toughen up. Toughen up. Come on, toughen up. Uh, yeah, we used to tell our kids that if you're a dad and have a son, you have at some point said, come on, toughen up, son. Come on, toughen up, toughen up. Kenan says it all the time. I'm like, just let him cry for a second. Toughen up. As Christians, why don't we say, instead of toughen up, hey, get some joy? Yeah, wow. I don't know if you ever thought of that, but if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then when you're needing them to toughen up, what you're needing to do is get some joy because the strength showed some weakness, there was some weakness shown, and I need some strength in this area. Yeah. So let's get some joy. If the joy of the Lord, all, all of us have experienced being happy at some moment. And I, and I know that, and I want to make sure that we explain this today. So I'll get into more of that here in just a second. But we end up oftentimes relating happiness to joy. And I, I want you to be careful about that. And hopefully by the time I'm done today, you'll have an understanding of this. I, I'm watching our society right now operate in doom and gloom. And it's sometimes because lack of knowledge some, sometimes it's, I don't want to know. And sometimes it's, you just don't know how to get some joy. There's no strength in the Christian's life. They just tossed about, I believe the Bible talks about that. And I, I want to get to a place where, whoa, wait a minute here. Uh, Jesus made joy available to me when he went to the cross. And I don't have to walk in doom and gloom. It's just almost like everyone is geared in our society for misery. Yeah. I was speaking to a CMA at chapel this week, 
And I shared that in our society, as people in our society, we have become so critical. And, and I kind of just, as I was sharing that, I was trying to get them to see some things. You, you can't just watch what's going on and be happy, be joyful, be extremely grateful for anything going on when you're not a part of the doing. Everything's done for everybody else. If it's not done for me, then I'm in misery. That's kind of where our society is. It. I mean, I think a lot of people would can kind of see that as you watch. And and, and so we're we're geared towards misery because we're not entertained. Because we're not getting what we want right at the time we want it. We're just, and if you don't, life can just turn miserable real quick. I used to tell our girls, and if you ever worked at one of our camps or did anything that we were doing years ago, Rachel's heard this, don't ever tell me you're bored. That's not a good line for me. I'm just bored. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to be bored any longer. There's a lot of rocks here in Stone County. I'll give you something to do. We, that, the idea that it, that's not, they weren't looking for something to do. What they're trying to say is entertain me. Right. And that's where young people get. And really, that has infiltrated, it just kind of came through on into an older age now. And we got to be entertained all the time. We watch for entertainment. We're watchers. That's what we do. We, we can be found yelling at a screen on Sunday afternoons. Not today, but next week we will be again. We can turn on the TV for entertainment. We have something going on that, that, that is, is happening, and we're trying to get entertained by it. Next thing you know, we're yelling at it, and we're talking about how bad it is. It, you mentioned the weather. I talked about this here a couple weeks ago, and, and I'll talk about it for. Weather's always given from a critical view or a, a, a negative standpoint. It just always, I talked about that here a few weeks ago. Mike Solomon came up after church on Sunday and he said, you know what? He goes, you know why they do that? Because negativity sells. And I thought, that's true. Why does it sell? Because we watched home videos, America's Funnest Videos. Have you ever seen that? And we're just waiting for somebody to fall off the skateboard on the rail. We're waiting for somebody to fail so we can laugh. Ne- negativity sells. It's just, I mean, it's one of the funniest things we talk about to Melanie and how graceful she falls. <laughs> how horrible that is. Not, anyway, I got to move on. We've developed this great ability to criticize and find fun in it. It's just fun to criticize. The enemy's so crafty. See, if he can get a whole society entertained by bad things, by criticism, and we start getting drawn to criticism and drawn to the bad, then the society would be prone to not even want to see something good. And when you come to church and we, we start talking about the goodness of God and how good God is, and we got a society that's drawn towards the negative and all the bad, then when does society ever see good? Or God. See, if good relates to God and bad relates to the enemy and the enemy's got everybody getting entertained by bad, then when are we going to be able to see God? I just, we watch TV and we're critical. Critical of the refs. 
of the players, of the coaches, of the singers. We don't like them. We vote them off. And, and i got to be careful because I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm a critic. And I'm a good critic. I can find what's bad wherever I go. Going out to eat, and I have food. I, I'll taste test everybody's food. And I'll tell you what was the best there and what was the worst there. I, I just, I, I, I know that we can complain about something anytime because I got something to complain about. We can't. In fact, we'll say this and say, that was really good. We won't say that. What we'll say is, well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. We're just geared. Well, it wasn't that bad. Is anything in your life ever good? No, no, no. It just wasn't bad. So it's, it's just how your job can become that. How's your job? Well, it's not bad. Your entertainment, how was the movie? Well, it wasn't bad. Or it was really bad. Who you do business with can next thing you know be who you're criticizing. How is it working for that guy? Well, I can tell you, he don't show up when I would. Well, Not he does the best job at what he does. I mean, by... We're going to complain about the one area we don't like. Are you getting this this morning? I hoped you would because I don't want to produce this is okay. I asked the CMA students, I said, what's the opposite of being critical? And I got several responses. One was being appreciative, being to give a compliment, to, to be compassionate, uh, to give praise. And I, I said, all of those are right, but let me give you one. Instead of criticizing something, how about affirming something? And I used the word affirm. And I just said, I'm just talking because I want you to think about whatever you're talking about can come out one of a couple of ways. What comes out of your mouth is seen by others as critical or affirming. Critical over here affirming over here. So I've got as far extreme here. When you open your mouth, are you critical or are you affirming? I teach parents all the time, do your best to say yes as much as you can because every time you say no, it's seen as critical. So you got critical and you got affirming. Everybody with me today? And so with these two things, you can say something that comes out of your mouth and it's critical or if it's an affirmation. Or you can say nothing. Say nothing. Zip, zip. You ever do this to your kids? Zip, zip. Don't say anything. Now, let's take dinner at your house, for instance. And your wife says, well, what'd you think? And you say, not bad. Which side do you think that went on? Was that critical or was that affirming? Let me give you another couple. I mean, because one of the two is all right, but you might want to call mom. That wasn't quite what I was looking for. <laughs> Good try. It'll be better next time, I'm sure. So we're geared towards, that was one of the best meals I've ever had. Well, you can real quick know it's going somewhere. I don't know. Did you ever have your parents make this statement? Hey, listen, if you can't say anything good, then... Don't say anything at all. All right, that sounds wonderful. But let's just talk about it. 
Affirming, critical. When you say nothing at all, what did you say? I couldn't say anything good, so basically I just kept from saying, so whoever heard you say nothing thought you were being critical. Just, we, I don't know if you ever thought about that before. Don't say anything at all if you can't say anything good. You better find something good. Oh, wait, you, that was critical. So we got, well, let's find something good to say. Let's find something affirming because anytime you say something critical, it's not producing what you want. Don't say anything at all. I mean, really, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You just told them that it wasn't any good. Now, time out, time out. If this makes any sense to you, this is what I was telling the young people. You're in a service right now, and you're not here to be entertained. You're here to be an active participant in what's going on in the church service. And being that that is the case, when you say nothing at all, you just told me everything I'm saying is Now, careful here. I know it's not a communication that we're both engaged in, but to sit there and do nothing at all when the word of God is going out. And Tim just talked about last week, don't sit here. Don't just sit there when the word of God. Well, I I aren't saying nothing. You just said something. There is an affirmation that goes out when the things of God are being talked about that needs to be affirmed. Now, I'll say this. Some of you are sitting here going, well, I've never said amen. I've never opened my mouth in a service ever, and I'm not starting now. And I, I understand that. So look at this. Watch. Everybody watch. Because some of y'all never do this, and I look at you and I think, uh, he wants to kill me. So let's practice. Here we go. Now, here's why I'm talking about this, because affirmation is I'm going to show you in a second is related to joy. And what happens is, is we get in this place where I don't need to be a participant in the things of God. I don't have to be a part of it. I can just sit there and do nothing. Well, well, I was watching Paisley the other day. And I get such a kick out of Paisley. She's a very interesting little girl. Watching her develop her ability to walk. And here's what I saw back in church. And I was like, I love her. You know, if I did that, somebody would be calling 911. We're in trouble. There's, there's got to be an ability to walk before you run. There, there's steps to affirmation. And a nodding the head's a good thing. But I'm talking to a church that right now is not a Presbyterian church. We're a church that ought to be able to affirm the Word of God. And that's what I was telling our young people. I want you to know what's being taught at CMA. I think it's important that we get out of our securities and live a little bit more on, well, what will everybody think? They're probably going to think something. Do you hear what Tim said last week in my 30s? I was always concerned about what everybody thought. Then when I reached my 40s, 
I started thinking, I don't care what anybody thinks. And he said, when I got to my 60s, I realized people weren't really thinking anything. <laughs> what a great comment. People really aren't that concerned that you're saying amen or wow or anything else. You get, that's the enemy's tool to keep you from getting in agreement. That's all it is. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying affirming does something. It gets people in agreement. And when you get people in agreement, you can get some affirmation going on. When you get some affirmation going on, the Word of God starts being spread. And as the Word of God starts being spread, joy starts coming. And next thing you know, I'm more than a conqueror, and I can't be defeated. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm blessed in. I'm blessed. Come. Are you getting this? Get you some joy. I'm just talking about some things that will help us. You can't buy or sell anything without coming to an agreement. I try. I try to buy, and they won't agree on the price I offered. I, I try to sell, and they don't want to pay what I'm asking. See, you can't do things without coming to agreement. You can't go out and eat with anyone if you can't get in an agreement on the restaurant. There were times Michelle and I, we couldn't come to agreement. I said, fine, we'll go home. Well, I don't want to go home. Well, we better find some agreement here. We're not even going to be able to get married. What are we going to do here? See, you'll not be able to function at any level of influence until you get people on your page. It's, it's, it's true in all of life. I talk about this a lot, a lot to our young people because I want to get them to a place where they can see that agreement for the things of God needs to be communicated. And I'm not talking about affirmation here in service anymore, but if you do that, that'd be great. Uh, I'm not just about affirmation in life based on a sermon, but you know you can't enjoy those you criticize. You, you just can't. It's not to say that you can't overlook sin or you don't need correction for things that are going on. I understand. But well, I understand they hurt you, and but you're not ever going to enjoy anyone you criticize. You can only enjoy those you affirm. I really have a lot to say about that, and I don't think I'm going to finish it all up today, but I'm going to keep going for a little bit. Y'all still with me? Yes, sir. Think about it. You do nothing with anyone that you haven't first affirmed in your mind. You don't do anything with anyone that you haven't first affirmed. Calling a plumber, you only call a plumber if you have affirmed in your mind that they have the ability to fix what you have a problem with. See, you, you, don't, you don't have anybody work on your car that you haven't already in your mind affirmed that they can get the job done. See, affirmation could be done in your life first by getting your mindset on finding out what you affirm, what you agree with that they're doing. Here's the next step in the life of a Christian. After you find somebody you can affirm or agree with, the next thing you do is you try to get in a verbal communication about those things you affirm. Have you ever just met somebody like, what am I going to talk about? And then you start talking and you find out that they hunt and fish. Well, I have no problem here now. But if they start talking about working in a hospital, I'm like, can we find something else? Because <laughs> I just there are certain things... Well, you, you don't appreciate those working hard. I do, and I'm not one of them, so thank God you're it. But I don't have, see, there's, I can affirm them, but I don't know how to communicate in an area that I can't get an agreement on. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just important to know that when we build relationships, 
It's based on time spent with things that we affirm in each other. So if you can't find anything to talk about with anyone in here, talk about how wonderful the temperature was in here this morning and how it was dry. You might even go to one of the vocalists and how awesome the sound was when they were singing. Boy, and Rachel did such a great job introducing communion and, and her... And I just, the words were all on the, when I walked in the door, I was greeted. The doors just opened when I walked in. I can't find anything good to say. There's a lot of good to say, but we're geared towards finding something negative that happened in all of our life. And so you're not going to be friends with somebody who you can't get affirmation on the things of God and move forward into joy. You're not going to get your joy in a bunch of negativity. Here's the problem. Negativity attracts people to each other. Why does it do that? Because our society has had an enemy that keeps talking about how negative things are in the world. And so if I can get somebody just to say, this is horrible, isn't it? Oh, it's it's horrible. I mean, it's, we ought to get together and talk about how horrible it is. And let's have dinner so we can talk about how horrible the service was and the food was. And then we can talk about what we want to talk about, how And you've got the enemy attracting God's people into negativity. And there's no affirmation. You come to church on Sunday morning and you can't amen anything. See, because all of life is built on a negative. Title today is Get Your Joy. That's what I want us to do. Joy is related to agreement in that people who are critical are seen as having no joy. Now, if you're writing something down, that's something to write. See, people that are critical are seen as having no joy. When you are seen by other Christians as having no joy, you're seen as having no strength. The enemy is wreaking havoc upon God's people because we are the most critical people out there. We're critical of every other church. You look at Facebook posts and they're putting down Christians and they're saying Christians are the cause of what's going on. How about there are a few Christians that are doing a great job? Praise the Lord. See, why are we going to sit here and make everything look like the church is the problem? The church is the only one that has an answer. But we're putting the church down. We're throwing everybody under the bus. That The people that are, I understand you don't agree with 2% of what they're doing. And that's what you're going to post on Facebook instead of the kids that got saved last week in that Sunday school. So we're not going to talk about the things that we need to be affirming. Therefore, the enemy has an ability to take God's people into a negative mindset. And criticism turns and turns and turns. The next thing you know, joy's gone. And when joy's gone, strength is gone. And when God's people don't have the strength to stand, then they're taken. It's over. This church is going to operate in joy. For 20 years, we've been operating in joy. Now, there are times we've got some little critical, some negative Nellies kind of coming around. And here's what I can tell you. Don't be surprised. They come up and say, hey, get you some joy. Get you some joy. You don't have to operate like that. I got to end with this. The sad part and I, I've, I've, I'll just know I'm going to be talking more about this. Happy people are oftentimes joyful people. But you can watch people's lives, and this may be you. One day you're happy. The next day you're defeated. Oh, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. How's, how's oh, man, just not good right now. 
And you've watched people that their life is up and down. And here's what I want you to know. I'm not here to condemn happiness. The Bible says happy are those people whose God is the Lord. Happy is a nation whose God is the Lord. So I'm not here condemning happiness. I'm all about being happy. I, I like happiness. And I like that the Bible says happy are people who put God where he needs to be. And it's all about God, right? Okay, so we get happy. But joy and happiness are oftentimes looked at and viewed by Christians as the same thing. And in a lot of ways, they can be seen from an outside looking in as the same thing. But to the person who is happy or joyful, I want you to know there is a difference. You have to understand the difference. Happiness is all based on circumstance, people, environment. Our Declaration of Independence talks about the pursuit of happiness. We ought to pursue happiness. You set you some goals, and after I get to a certain place, I can finally buy this car. You're not buying that car at 18. And when you're 40 or 50, you might be able to get into a car like that. Well, I just don't believe that they have it. You're 30 years younger than them. You ought to be thrilled for someone that drives a Toyota Tundra. I mean, yeah, a brand new one. So there's, there's a level of, he didn't, <laughs> there's a level of I work towards something and I get that and all of a sudden that put a smile on my face. And we act like as Christians that's wrong and it's not. The pursuit of happiness is part of the American dream. We can pursue happiness. But it's all based on outward stimulus, an outward stimulus, something that you tried to get to and you got there. I got that promotion. Well, that made me happy. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to understand something. Joy doesn't work that way. Joy works from an inside outward, not an outward to inside. See, you got to understand they both look a lot the same, but I'm not dependent upon what happens to me in this world to operate in joy. I'm dependent on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, and then I put my mind and my everything that I am on that. Next thing you know, I can be joyful in the midst of whatever's going on in my world. See, I'm not dependent upon the outside, and the faith movement has been very dangerous here because they think if you don't get what you're believing by faith out here, then we can't operate in joy. Joy never comes from an outside to an end. But here's what you know. When you start seeing joy because it operates through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you start getting the fullness of joy, next thing you know, you start watching what you're working for, the plans the things in life, they start succeeding. And all of a sudden, you've got some joy and you got some happy. And when you get some joy and some happy, I'm telling you, you're almost like too much sugar on the pancake. <laughs> you put a little less syrup here. But isn't that fun to be that way? I mean, I don't know about you. Life happens and I don't like some of what happens in life. But that don't mess with my joy. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross, and he made a way for me to operate in joy. So good, Pastor. Yeah. Pastor, I can't believe what you're going through right now. Yeah, I'm just telling you. <laughs> the joy of the Lord's my strength. How are you going through that? Because I got some strength. And that strength is joy. How can, uh, and that smile, you act like you're happy about it. I'm not happy about it. There are times that I, I'm sad as could be. 
There, there's some sadness that happens. But sad and happy don't determine my joy. Come on, go get you some joy. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.